0: Oh, howdy ho officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were, minding our own business. Just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property.
1: What, were they psychos? They looked like psychos? Is that what they looked like? They were vampires. Psychos do
0: not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are.
1: So, 1,100 men went in the war. Three hundred and sixteen men come out, and the sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Well,
0: what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens.
2: Welcome to Death Rattle Horror Podcast. We are your mavens of the macabre, hostesses of horror, your darlings of darkness, and we're here to guide you into the depths. Uh, this episode is a very special episode where we're going to be focusing on one film uh, David Egger's amazing masterpiece, The Witch.
1: Yay!
0: The vavitch, <laughs> the vavitch, the vavitch. V- Honestly,
2: from the first moment that I saw that it was going to be that spelling, I knew that I was going to love this film because uh, I was right? like, "Ooh, historically accurate references to printing presses! I'm in." <laughs> 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 My panties are already off. <laughs> mm. Oh, they really were. Um, it's about witches. It's historical. I was into it, but I had no idea how into it I would eventually become. It Same is here. honestly one of my favorite films.
0: Me too. I uh, I remember when it came out, they were like, this is the scariest movie ever. And they like promoted it very strangely, you know? Um, and I really actually had no interest in seeing it. I think primarily because it had such a generic name that... Uh, when they sh- when I saw it like coming out I didn't see that it was like spelled all like old school cool so hmm. I was just like oh that sounds generic just as generic as like the nun you know so <laughs> I didn't i'm I'm sad I didn't see it in theaters I waited till it was out on like rental and then I was like blown away I was like man I had no idea it was gonna be so good
2: I saw <laughs> it in theaters and um uh i I also agree that they really up the marketing they crimson peaked it you know where they oh, took a movie, yeah, good call yeah they took a movie that isn't a horror film um and they marketed it as a horror film which means a the people who actually would enjoy it might not go see it and then b the people who do go see it expecting a you know the nun type horror film aren't gonna get mm-hmm. what they're expecting there was a a great article that came out just after the movie called the Witch and the Gatekeepers of Horror, a.k.a. This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and read that. <laughs> it's it's great. And it's basically about how... Um, it, because it was marketed as a pure horror movie <coughs> that mainstream horror fans weren't... They didn't get what they wanted. And so it tanked in the box office, which means we're not going to get another historically accurate... I don't know... um, puritanical horror film for a long time um it's the same thing that happened with Watchmen and with Crimson Peak and stuff they just they don't market these movies properly and then yeah then they don't get the right audiences but anyway um I saw it in theaters and I definitely spent the last half hour of the movie absolutely white knuckling it because it was so tense and I was so (laughs) I was so absolutely unsure what was going to happen, but the movie had ramped me up so much that I knew... Like, I just... It's just that overwhelming feeling of dread.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. They did that so well. Especially with the music. It was, like, off the charts with the tension. Um, I was the same way. I watched it with my best friend, but we watched it, like, on her computer. Uh, But nevertheless, like, the whole movie, we were just, like, kind of clutching each other, like uh you know really tense like you know it's kind of like uh it's like constant constant anticipation for like Mm -hmm. an an hour or something Mm -hmm. and so you're just like oh my god something's gonna happen and it's just like you're continuously revved up and up and up and up and up and after the movie was over her husband was in the other room and he's like I don't know what you guys just watched, but I don't want to watch it based on what, how you guys sounded watching it, because we're just like, oh, 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 my lord, you know? What's going to happen <laughs> next, yeah. And yeah, it was still, it's still one of the best movie watching experiences ever.
1: I really enjoyed it. This is the third time I've seen it, I think. Um, I had watched it. After listening to um, a podcast that had reviewed it right after it came out, I had watched it for the first time. And the first time I was kind of like, what are they saying? Wait, what? Wait, what? It took me a second to like get into the rhythm of the speech. And then once I did, I was like, oh my God, this movie is absolutely amazing. It's like, it's beautifully shot. It, the script is amazing. And at the very end of the movie, right before the credits roll, you actually get this little um black card that says, you know, the dialogue from this was actually taken from diaries and court records and things from the time. So the speech is accurate. And I think that's what a lot of people were pissed off about. It wasn't necessarily that it was historically accurate, and it wasn't necessarily the horror movie that everybody wanted. I think a lot of people immediately get pissed off when it's not modern English. And they're like, well, I can't understand this, so what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, they, they can't get beyond that. Um, I recently, when I was in New York, I went to go see a musical called Head Over Heels. The entire score for the musical and all of the the music for it is done by the Go-Go's. It's all Go-Go's music. <gasps> it's vacation. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And um, Peppermint, who is a drag queen off from RuPaul's Drag Race from last season or the season before, she actually stars in it. So that was part of the reason I went to go see it was for that. But I was like, oh, this sounds, like, really cool with the Go-Go's music. Then they started talking. I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. I can read Shakespeare. Like, it's regular English. It doesn't faze me in the least. They started talking, and I was like, oh, my God, no one's going to come see this musical because they actually speak in iambic pentameter and Shakespearean style Elizabethan English. And I was like... Uh-oh. And then at one point somebody goes, "Guys, speak English." And it flips. And I was like, "Oh, thank God." But I was like, you that was like immediately I, it's, I same thing with this movie. I was like, "Oh god, people are not going to like this because of the way they're talking." And it does take a second, but there's a rhythm to how they say things, and honestly, it's English. It's just the King's English, and it's a little bit funky sometimes. But they say something and you're like, "What?"
2: <laughs> oh.
1: You know, it takes a second, but it because of that I think that the way that the speech was and the speech patterns and what they said created even more tension. Yeah. Cuz you you weren't exactly sure what they were saying and then you had to like think about it. And then the second time I saw the movie, I, I watched it. I actually I knew what the plot was. I knew what was going on. I knew what the the, the um the speech was going to be, so I kind of could just watch it and not have to pay attention to it. And I enjoyed it a lot more. This time around, I was actually editing a podcast at the same time I was watching it, but my husband had never seen it before, so he was watching it with me. And he came away from it and he was like, I don't know why you've never had me watch that movie before. It's so good. (laughs) Like, hello. (laughs) Listen to me every once in a while. But it's, it's, like you guys said, definitely there were a lot of mainstream horror fans that just were like, nope. I didn't like that movie because it was too. It was elitist horror. And I'm like, no, no. It it's really not.
2: wasn't. It
0: was I, I feel, <laughs> historical, not elitist. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I feel the same it's way not... about
2: foreign films. You know that people don't mm-hmm. want to read subtitles, so they don't go see foreign films. Which a means that we get a shitty English language remake two years later.
0: Oh my mm-hmm. god, I know.
1: It, it... If I have one more a shitty English remake of The Ring or Ju-on Seriously? Oh, I know, right? I ju- I <laughs> I actually
2: went on a rant in one of the f- in the uh, in the horror Facebook group the other day where we met, um, <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "Fuck these English language remakes! Fuck people! Like fuck the people who force." people to make these English language remakes because they won't go see a goddamn foreign film I was mostly mad Mm -hmm. about the English language remake of Inside but then I was like and Martyrs and
0: And let the right one in (laughs)
2: and you know and then I I kept going and luckily people agreed with me although someone schooled me on funny games and I fair I will admit that yeah Um, funny
0: games is just um It's just, you know, an ego trip. He's like, I'm going to remake my own movie. Why the fuck not? (laughs) Yeah, shot for
2: shot just in English. And uh, no one's going to get it because I'm Michael Haneke. Anyway, um, (laughs) I have issues with him. But um, going back to the point that you made about um, all the dialogue being historically accurate in that it actually comes from primary documentation. When I saw Mm -hmm. that, that card at the end, I was like, This just made this movie, for me, honestly, 50 times better. And Mm -hmm. um, if anybody listening is interested, Aaron uh, Mankey, who does Lore, everybody's favorite creepy podcast... Um, has a is doing a special podcast on the Salem witch trials right now called unobscured just a little unpaid Mm -hmm. advertisement there for
1: you aaron yeah he he has enough paid advertisements we don't need to give him a plug (laughs) although i listen to lore religiously i know he's got books he's got tv shows i listen to lore religiously so i'm not i'm one to talk but still
2: <laughs> but it, it's really good and it goes into the minutia of the and the you know like the social context of the salem witch trials. so the movie the witch takes place uh what is it like 60 years before that that's 1692 and this is the 1630s so mm-hmm. six it's sixty years before the salem witch trials but witch lore is very much a part of their lives and i love the way that the film presents it as first of all like it it, on the surface it's like here is a factual story about witchcraft but then underneath that there's so many other aspects to it like it really is a movie about the way the puritans demonized female sexuality and any sort of disobedience or divergence from the norm Um, and also there's there's also the clever thing about how um, because they're trying to grow corn and it's they're having problems with it rotting and stuff and that's where ergot comes from which is what eventually would be turned into lsd so um mm-hmm. you know there's which was given as one of the explanations for uh like the the witch trials and stuff is that the girls were accidentally ingesting ergot and that's why they were having all these crazy hallucinations and stuff
1: <laughs> i always i refer to that as the bad bread theory yeah yeah <laughs> Um I lived in Salem for 5 years <gasps> and one of the things you do in Salem is it, like if I've lived in Massachusetts my whole life so you go to Salem on school trips and shit like that but when I was living in the t- in the city and in the town you actually you learn so much about it and you learn what uh, what historians say is true and what it's not. And I actually, one of the um, the guys who's became one of my best friends while I was living up there has been deeply rooted into the lore of the town for many, many years. And <clears throat> he runs tours and things like that. And, and a lot of the stuff he does is... Um, if you want the more historically accurate tour as opposed to the touristy tour, you go see him. If you want the touristy tour, he'll be glad to give you that as well. But um, And he always laughed at the bad bread theory because he's like, yeah, it wasn't bad bread. <laughs> like <laughs> When they looked back into, um, I'm, I haven't listened to Aaron Minkie's The Unobscured yet on this, but there was um, recently within the last 10 years or so, there was a historian that was going through um, land records and, Basically, what, they're, what what the running theory is was at that time, and kind of they're leaning towards now a little bit, um, in the town specifically, is that it was all over a land dispute. And that basically, the two rich families got really pissed at each other because neither one would give an inch over literally an inch of land. And, you know, somehow the kids got involved with it, and then it just spiraled out of control. And it was one of those, like, one kid did one thing, and then the other kid was like, well, I can do that better. And then it just spiralled. And unfortunately when it comes to the Puritan the Puritans and how religious they were and how extremely structured everything was, the minute one person diverted slightly, it was like, Oh my God, it's a witch You know, I mean it, have did you guys ever read The Scarlet Letter when you're in school? It's same time frame. Yeah. You know, so it's like I mean that's a little bit of an extreme because she was she was an adulteress, but it was kind of like if you wore a red bodice, you were a whore. You weren't rich, you were a whore. And it's not just, <laughs> like, that's just the way. It, and it it's was. not just if anybody diverges from the
2: norm; <laughs> it's if women diverge from the women. norm. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why that's oh, why yeah. the idea of witchcraft is so gendered because. Um The Puritans believed that you know women as the weaker sex were more vulnerable to temptation and more mm-hmm. vulnerable to the devil, and so that's why um and I think it's interesting the way that the film looks at that because all of the um the mother's fear and animosity is all centered on Thomason rather than mm-hmm. her brother caleb um it's yep. all about making like any small imperfection or infraction of hers. Is what's important and not his behavior so he doesn't yep. he doesn't get in trouble like the way that she acts towards Thomason when she thinks she's stolen the silver cup the silver as cup. opposed yep. to Caleb when he's not where he says he's going to be when he lies um mm-hmm. is just the the difference in her reaction is very stark, and uh, mm-hmm. I think the film is a really good look at the very narrow strictures that these women. Had to live within, and that's why I think the ending is just absolutely so brilliant. But we don't have to get to that yet.
1: <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> uh, my one of my one of my things with this movie has always been the the, the two younger siblings. Um, they've always felt not needed to me, you know. And it's like I mean, there, there's one there's one scene where they're basically accusing Thomason of being a witch after she went after her younger sister and basically was like, don't tell mother, but that I am the witch. I really am a witch. But when she was obviously on our end, you know, from our perspective, obviously she was just like winding her sister up, but it was just one of those. Okay. So wait a minute. You're actually going to believe the fact you're going to believe what your sister was telling you. That makes no sense, whatever. But I just felt like that was the only reason that they were there was to get to that one scene towards the end of the movie to, to make everyone else in the family, think that Thomason was actually possessing the brother, the older brother. Well and the way that they're so it was
2: like the way that they're acting when Caleb is dying, basically. Um mm-hmm. with saying yeah. that uh they can't finish the Lord's prayer and that yep. she's pinching them and that she's choking them mm-hmm. and stuff. That's all taken directly from the the famous sixteen ninety two Salem witch trials.
0: I kind of thought that their role was to be um You know, Thomason's almost like a red herring, like, for the rest Mm -hmm. of the family. Like, they think that she's the one, like, letting in the evil to their family, but it turns out it's actually the two little kids. Like, unbeknownst to them, they were the ones that had kind of allowed this, like, you know, Black Phillip was, like, um, talking to them and kind of, like, getting to them. Uh, And also, I think they're just, like, a really good... uh, They're kind of there to be sort of like an example of the hysterical the way people would get the way people would get hysterical about um, you know the slightest hint of somebody being a witch Mm -hmm. they're just like Mm -hmm. they're like on board they're like oh yeah you know we're just going to go along with this and we're obviously you know they're young and immature so they're more likely to just kind of like start acting like she is a witch and she's like doing things to them because you know, maybe they just want to get her in trouble. They don't necessarily realize how serious it is.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see. It. I can see it from that aspect.
2: I did read an interesting theory, and um, despite what I literally just said, I have to kind of jump to the end for this. <laughs> but I, I read it because. Um, it, it, Early in the movie, when the baby Sam is taken and made into the flying ointment, a.k.a. We're, sorry. I also, I'm not sure how much, because <laughs> I love doing research into things, so I'm not sure how much people listening have looked into the different aspects of the film, but when, when Sam is taken and then you see the witch kind of grinding up like a gross red jelly and spreading it on herself it's what's called <laughs> the baby butter <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much it's, um, yep. can, it's called a flying ointment and the, the lore mm-hmm. was that witches would take the rendered fat of unbaptized male babies um, and like rub it all over themselves and that was what enabled them to fly um, yep. so and I I knew that when it came to baby Sam I made that connection. But um, at the end of the movie, when Thomason wakes up after having seen the witch, when she's kind of locked in the shed with the twins, when she wakes up, the twins are just gone. Um, And it's not really explained what happened to them. But then at the very end of the film, there's the witches dancing around that big bonfire, and then they all start to fly. Well, one paper Mm -hmm. that I read suggested that the twins are in the bonfire. And that's yes. what's enabling all these women to fly. So that's just mm. one more little, little possible um, explanation for their presence, other than the fact that they're honestly terrifying, as children generally are.
1: They
0: are. Uh, um, they are. <laughs> they're so they, creepy. Uh, I thought they would have been baptized, though. Yeah. And, you know, and mm. they're not
2: rubbing the rendered fat on themselves or anything. But I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting explanation for what actually happens to them.
1: It's funny that you're talking about that research because you said that and I instantly thought of the movie Warlock.
0: Um,
1: it might, might have actually been the second one, but there's actually a scene where the warlock is talking to a kid and he's like, are you baptized? And then the next thing you see is him stirring the fat over a fire. And I'm like, oh, now that makes sense.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? When I was watching that with my best friend the first time, uh, when that scene happened where like, the the witch is like rubbing you know, whatever on themselves... My, fr- my mm-hmm. friend's like, I don't think that witch was rubbing baby blood on himself. I think he was rubbing baby. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. I, I, that's a horrible thing to laugh at, but it just, uh, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. And random digression. Um, you know, the warlock? It actually inspired a real murder. Really? really? Yeah, it was in Canada, actually. It was some Canadian kid that uh, saw that whole fat thing um thinking mm-hmm. thinking if he like killed a unbaptized child and like ate their fat or something it would make them immortal mm-hmm. and so he did that oh. yeah, I don't know if he actually ate the child but he definitely he was like 12 and he murdered a little kid
1: I'm gonna have to go look that up that sounds like an interesting story yeah
0: yeah uh, <laughs> we wrote about it on the dark and stormy podcast so little, um, little plug um i'm not caught up sorry uh that's no worries that's no worries um i at at first i found the little the brother and sister characters to be so annoying but um in retrospect like the acting was phenomenal like it's like it's Hmm. like they were two little kids like you know transplanted from the 1600s like it's amazing that they found two little kids that could uh you know act 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 and handle handle the dialogue that insane dialogue (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. i think the dialogue and those kids and just the whole setting i think it was all so very important to creating the actual like tension of the movie because you know Mm -hmm. if it had been in you know modern english I don't think it would have been as believable to be scared of, like, a witch in the woods, you know, because mm-hmm. to our modern, you know, sensibilities, like, it's such a played out concept in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, a witch, mm-hmm. I'm so scared, you know. Um, but I think, like, those kids, uh, they were kind of being, like, the, I can't think of the term, like, the Greek in Greek plays where they had, like, the... Oh, the chorus. The chorus yeah. Yes, like, the Greek chorus. Yep. Yeah. Um, kind of made me feel like they were being that, in a way, and I think that um, having them as sort of, like, a foil to Thomason was, like, really important because it was, like, they kind of were driving the fear of the whole family because, you know, they were the ones that were kind of trying to convince their parents that she was a witch, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, like, maybe they wouldn't have been as suspicious of her if the two little kids weren't constantly trying to make it seem like she was, you know, a witch trying to, like, hmm. dazzle them or whatever. Um, hmm. But, yeah, their acting was so good. And I thought that the 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 older son, he was amazing. Like, that scene where he dies was like oh. oh my god i was like ho- ho- oh
1: that scene was amazing i was amazing.
0: like it gave me chills i was like holy mm-hmm. hell like what am i watching uh and then he like coughs up the apple and you're like holy fuck this movie just got so much better um <laughs> i really loved it um i think it was kind of cool the way that they it almost seems like they're gonna you know leave the whole witch thing as sort of like this mystique like the whole movie But then, no, you actually do see a witch, and she like makes out with the son or the kid, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, never mind. I guess they're not really leaving that up to like speculation. (laughs) Um, And it was just so brilliantly done. It's like, I think it was like he used subtlety, like really perfectly. Like he didn't show (laughs) too much, but he didn't show too little he kind of just showed just enough like this witch like obviously about to seduce the kid and then Hmm. instantly it just cuts to like now he's like totally fucked
1: well and i think that also it when that happens too, it it harkens back to the few different times we see him walking past thomason and staring at her chest and yeah kind of he and he has this whole scene with his father where he's um, right after the baby is taken, they're out in the woods and they're setting a, a rabbit trap or a bear trap or something. And he's on his knees and he's yelling at his father. Like you have like, tell me if I die right this second, I, my sins are not forgiven. I have sin on my soul. I will be going to hell. And he goes into this whole thing and his father's like, calm down, calm down dude. You know, like, it's it's not, it's, it's okay. Calm down. And, but I, he just, it's just ingrained in his head that he, he knows he's been staring at his sister in, inappropriately. He knows that that's not something that he should be doing. Because we find that we, we see that in his reaction to her at the river, where she catches him doing it. Uh-huh. And he just, he just has this look on his He just, like, immediately turns away from her and then won't talk to
0: her. Yeah.
1: And she's like, what? Serious? And that's, and I think that's, when the witch does come in and seduce him, I think that just... It, he already has that sin, so she just plays right, on it, yeah, and she just brings it up higher. But one of my th- one of my things that I really do like about this movie is the fact that the witches that we do see—they're not the stereotypical young, pretty, gorgeous witch. The witch that's rubbing all the baby fat all over her is an older woman with sagging boobs a large you know a large belly she's she's a a large woman but she's older she's probably in her 70s at least with the long scraggly hair and then when you see the witches at the end there's a couple of them that are like young and nubile I mean obviously Thomason is she's like 15 14 15 and I mean she comes in and she's obviously but a lot of the other witches they're not that stereotypical horror movie gorgeous witch which I really appreciated that. It just made it, it, I hate to say it made it 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 more authentic, but it kind of made it more authentic. There's no real other word for it.
0: yeah.
1: I think that the subtitle
2: of the film, which is a a New England folktale, is a really Mm -hmm. key element in, in understanding what kind of movie it is, because it isn't a horror movie in terms of, typical modern audiences this is a horror movie about what would be horrifying to puritans in the 1630s mm. this is about their deepest fears and their beliefs um uh, their fear of sin their fear of hell um and uh, it it the that's why the historical accuracy to me is so integral to what the movie is trying to do um mm. because it, it it really is about um, I mean, Purit- like we're, st- well, I-, I say we, I'm not in, I'm in Canada, I'm not in America. But in North American society, we're still very much dealing with our foundations as a Puritan society. And so mm-hmm. as much as we don't believe in the same things that they believed in, We still have echoes of the same fears of the same prejudices built into our society. There is still, um, you know, fear around and fear and mystery and desire and a resentment of that desire around women's sexuality, women's empowerment, women's bodies. Um, there is still that the the father clearly um, feels completely emasculated by his inability to grow crops or get food or do anything that uh, quote mm-hmm. unquote you know man is supposed to do for his family to the point where he, as Thomason says like that all he's able to do is chop wood you know that's the only thing he can do to provide mm-hmm. because he's not able to he's brought them out into this wilderness and it's completely overwhelmed him so there's that there's that fear of emasculation, the fear of the loss of that kind of male authority um, so I, I think it's really interesting that the movie subtly draws those parallels while overtly being like this is what Puritans were afraid of, isn't it odd mm-hmm. that it can still be terrifying to us, you know, four hundred years later.
1: Right, yeah. Well and, and you also gotta think about it too, like right now we're kind of in the middle of the same oh, thing. God, yeah. So we I don't want to get all political <laughs> and shit, but we I'll, I'll <laughs> <wait. for> it. <laughs> just go for it at yeah. this point. Um you get to think about it right now too. We have this whole thing called the incel movement, which are men who are basically saying that they are celibate, but not of their own, you know, it's not their own choice. And they rail against women, and they call women, you know, the women's are, women are whores and they're sluts and they do nothing. And, like, if all women were whores and sluts, you'd be getting it left and right. Like, it something is obviously wrong on your end, you know? And it's like, one of the, um, this is the worst sentence I've ever had to say, one of the recent mass shootings in America... Was actually by somebody who was in this incel movement, and it's oh, which one? it's um not. Oh my god! It wasn't the one that just happened. It was the one right before that. This is a horrible conversation, yep. people.
0: We should <laughs> have to be having this conversation. I
1: know we shouldn't have to ask which mass shooting this was. This is just not cool. But it's one of those a lot of um a lot of what you're saying with the, like the 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 demasculine- demasculation of the father and it's he he can't do anything he's trying to he can't even shoot a rabbit he tries to shoot a rabbit and the gun backfires and burns his face which is when a every, everything was set symbol, up perfect way. <laughs> exactly <laughs> no. and Although I did say when we were watching this, I was I had forgotten how large of a shotgun that oh, they yeah. had, and I've, I it's like twice the size of Caleb. And I was like, poor little kid, like having to carry that thing. Um, but they're they're tra- like later on they're in the field and they're trying to cut down the the corn, and the corn it, it's not necessarily rotted, but they're it's it's all dried out and withered, you know. And it's like there's there's. Everything that he does, like then they they come home from being out hunting at one point, and the goat is out, and the kids are making fun of the goat, and he's trying to get the goat in the thing, and he slips and falls on his ass in the goat shit, and everybody's laughing at him you know it's 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 it all stacks up throughout the course of the entire movie, kind of leading to that big outburst between him and Thomason, mm-hmm. and he's actually trying to defend her, you know, like when they're talking about the silver cup and everything, he's like. No, like it, she didn't. She said she didn't take it. Like chill out. She didn't take it. Come to find out, he did. Which you know, that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's and a whole other backstory. He's defending her but, pretty fucking late. Yeah, and even even when the two kids are going after her and saying no, she, I there she, she's a witch. She's doing all these things. She's possessing Caleb. He makes her. He says no. I will have proof before I I say anything. So and he makes her tell him you know are you true are you true to god are you without sin like he goes through this whole thing and he's still trying to protect her and trying to defend her and even in even in that he he can't even be successful in that so i
0: I think there was a really interesting um sort of uh there's like a multi-layered gender politics thing going on throughout this whole movie Um, It was the dad's fault, basically, that they got exiled. And basically, you know, he got them exiled, um, which means the baby couldn't be baptized, which means the baby's taken, which means, you know, everything starts to go bad and he can't even, like, provide for his family. And I think he feels really emasculated. And his wife... I think she knows that it's a lot of it's the the husband's fault, but she's not really allowed to like sort of, you know. She, I guess she's allowed to, but she doesn't really want to like start an argument about this with her husband and emasculating further, mm. which is kind of why she allows herself to sort of start blaming Thomason for things that aren't mm. her fault. And it's, I think it's kind of why she allows herself to sort of start listening to the kids saying that she's a witch. And I think that she's also sexually jealous of her daughter, because her daughter is, you know, becoming a beautiful young woman, and um, you know, obviously there was weird incest and stuff back then. Well, there still Mm -hmm. is, but back then, probably more so. (laughs) Uh, So I think that she's, like, jealous of her daughter, and she's all too happy to, like, throw her daughter under the bus if it means that you know, she can kind of get her out of her household, and not have to, like, make her husband feel worse for everything that he's done, which is why she's, like, so angry at Thomason about the silver cup, but then when she, like, finds out that it's the husband, she's, like, nowhere near as, like, you know, she doesn't go after him the same way that she was going after Thomason. And so (sighs) I think that the weird little interplay between gender is, like, it's like a little current that sort of like moves the plot of the movie along and it's not even like super noticeable like on the surface but if you think back it's like yeah it's like you know thomason is she's pretty much the most i wouldn't say she's the most like holy or righteous out of all of them but i mean she's the one that's like telling the truth the most above Hmm. all of them basically the whole time And, um, you know, they all have their own little lies going on and stuff like that. Uh, and, but she's, you know, she's kind of just like being thrown under the bus because she had the bad luck of being born a beautiful girl in a Puritan family in the 1600s. And Mm. it's kind of like, it's so, it's upsetting to think about that kind of situation because it's like, you just can't win, you know? Um, hmm. There's nothing that she could do to, like, really make her situation any better. Um, except
2: sell her soul to the devil.
0: Except sell her soul <laughs> yeah. to the devil, which is Sign the, the, you the know, it's the theme of the whole movie. It's just like, just give in, sell your soul to the devil, everything will work out.
2: <laughs> it's such a fascinating ending because, you know, in, in a very typical way... It should be like a tragic ending, you know? From the beginning of the Mm -hmm. movie, she's the one... She's the last one to leave the church when they're kicked out of the colony. She's the one who longingly looks as the gates close behind them. She's the one who talks about remembering having glass windows. And um, she's the one who prays to God right at the beginning of the film, saying that she's not worthy and that she doesn't feel... Um, like she's, she wants to be a good Puritan daughter, but she doesn't feel like she is. And no matter how hard she tries, she's blamed by her mother. She's lusted after by her brother. She's, you know, pretty much ignored by her father and not protected by him. And so, uh, you know, she's, she's the weakest one in the herd, if you will. And so she's the one that the devil is really coming after all of the events of Hmm. the film are are leading to his ultimate seduction of her so it should feel like it should feel tragic but it doesn't it feels victorious and i think it's because of the way the film chooses to end it doesn't end with her giving in to the devil it doesn't like it like it doesn't end with that scene where she takes off Her dress and and is like yes I'll sign my name in the book and everything no it ends with her going out into nature something that has been up until this point in the film a symbol of um, like it's been a, a terrifying thing the big unknown where danger is lurking but instead she goes naked out into the forest and there's a circle of women just like her women who will accept her and n- now, a place where she can really belong. And then she's lifted up into the air, and her, the Anna Taylor joy also, her acting is phenomenal. On her face, like it's mm. just, there's like ecstasy and relief and joy and victory. And that's how the film ends, with that look on her face. And uh, that's what I think makes it such a fascinating ending is that this girl is just ground down by the strict Puritan society and finds escape, not in a way that we're expecting, but in a way that is oddly suitable for the situation.
0: Yeah. I thought thought it was a really, I mean, I wasn't like, yay, I'm so happy, I'm going to cry tears of happiness. But I was like, I laughed, (laughs) you know, I was like, yes, you know, like if it had ended any other way, it would have been disappointing. Um, I think Hmm. part of the reason it feels so victorious because... Even though it's kind of like to the point where she doesn't have many options, she's allowed to like make a choice to do this because mm-hmm. the devil says, You mm. know, what's thou like to live victoriously and deliciously? She, or, why did I say that? Okay, <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Um, and she's like, Okay, you know, he's not like forcing her to doing it. I mean, technically, she has options, but even though they may be few, but he's still asking, he's not telling. Uh, which is, like, what her Mm. whole family has been doing, is just telling, telling, telling her what she has to do, how she has to be. Uh, And Black Phillip's like, "Mm, you know you want it, but I'm gonna ask. And she's like, you know what? Yes, I do. I would like to live deliciously. And, uh, I think that's part of it, is that she's finally allowed to really make her own choice about what she wants to do. And, Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people might argue it's not the best choice to make, I, I mean, in that scenario, I probably would have made the same choice, just to be honest. Because, mm-hmm. you know. You
1: have, you have to look at it, too, that she doesn't have a choice. Like, her choice is, I'm either going to live out here alone on this starve farm. Starve to death. By myself. Starve to death. Because I mean, she I mean she has the option to eat the goats and things that are on the farm, but she really doesn't have a choice. Her she can either like like I said, live on the farm with her parents dead bo- and family's dead bodies, or she can attempt to try to get back to a town of some sort. Not necess- not necessarily the town that they left, but get to some place. But. Even back then, news traveled fast. Even if it might have taken a month, it still traveled pretty fast. So they've been out there for long enough that everybody would know who she is and nobody would take right. her in. and she might be you tried know? as so a witch, just...
2: or she might be tried exactly. for the murder of her mother.
1: Exactly. I mean, she's going to literally show up either in her mom's clothes, because that's really all she's got, because that's the only thing that's not covered in blood, or she's going to show up covered in blood. Either way, she's screwed. <laughs> so it's kind of like... Damned if I do, damned if I don't. So I might as well go with the devil because that's going to be the better of the two evils. Literally, the better of the two evils is to become a witch and enslave myself yeah. to the devil. Well,
0: I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> think
1: about that if, like, choice. that
0: case, other scenario. Even if she doesn't get you know in trouble for murder, or whatever, she's still going to end up right where she was. You know, being you know mm-hmm. put upon, being not allowed to really be her own person, being forced to be like as like. Pious as possible, but there you can never really be too pious because there's always going to be, uh, you know, sideways looks at her. Like, there's always going to be people, people weirdly jealous of her and men lusting after her, and she's never really going to be free. So it's almost like going with the hmm. devil, it's like that's the only way to be have some modicum of freedom, even mm-hmm. if she is hmm. like, you know, in debt to the devil now.
1: I kind of want to see a sequel to this, and
0: not
1: in not in, and not in not in the like you know traditional horror sequel. But I would love to see what becomes of Thomason, even if it's like in book form or something like that. I'd love to see what now becomes of her. But I would also like to see like what was the real story behind Black Phillip. Was that goat actually? You know, in league with the devil, or was it just a black goat? (laughs) Like things like that. Like I don't necessarily want this movie explained because I like the way this movie is by the way, just the way it is. But I really want to see, like now, what's going to happen? What happens in the when the bodies are found? If the bodies are found, they're far enough away from anybody, and they're the only ones there. It could be skeletons that are found with dead animals around them, and that's it. And no one ever knows what happens. I don't know. I just kind of think it would be interesting to see now. Now that she does have this freedom, what does she do with it? Because that's we we don't see what the witches do. We normally we see okay, the witch wants to. We know the witch wants to fly, so she steals the baby. But we normally see like the witch has a point, and the witch is going to be. I'm going to go, you know, marry this father and get all this money, or I'm going to go ruin this person's life. There's always like something that the witch is doing, but in this movie, it just seems like the witches just want to have a good time and be free of all of the trappings that they've had Nothing to deal with. with that. So <laughs> no, and I would I would really like to kind of see like now what's going to well, happen. Well, I've got know? the
2: perfect fanfic for you. I'm not Ooh. even joking. I I genuinely do. I uh <laughs> there's a great one about um like what the witches get up to after the movie and Thomas and fucks the devil mm-hmm. and then she gets to choose how she lives yeah. so she like lives in this cottage in the woods by herself like being a witch and it's it's pretty sweet. I'll, I'll Facebook to you. <laughs> right, yeah, send that to me. I,
0: uh, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. But um, <laughs> what I was saying earlier about him like treading the line of subtlety—that totally goes mm-hmm. into this ending. Like, you you realize it without realizing it is that she just had sex with the devil, <laughs> and now she's walking into the woods naked. It's like. I didn't even like kind of register it at the time but then when I like rewatched it I was like oh lord um my I'm clutching my pearls uh you know because he like (laughs) takes off her you know frock or whatever that she's wearing and then like a few minutes later you see her walking into the woods naked and you're like wait a second Mm -hmm. what just happened in that cabin
2: (laughs) but she's not even walking with the guy she's walking with the goat my personal belief is that she fucked the goat Well, yeah, that's kidding. That's what I (laughs) meant. No, she really did.
0: She really did. (laughs) Because that's like part of the folklore is that, like, um, in order to become a witch, like you had to sell your soul to the devil, but you also had to like be allow yourself to be like literally seduced by the devil. Yeah. Um,
1: Correct. Because you couldn't be pure. You had to have some type of sin on you and. The, one of the biggest puritanical sins is premarital sex. Even worse you guys is. are going to love this
0: fanfic. <laughs> With a goat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With a goat? Bestiality, man? Um, I, I want oh, this director...
0: What? Oh, what's oh, that? Go ahead. No, <laughs> go for it. I was just going to say, I want this director to make another movie, but like, you know, a different time period, but another in-depth dive into a different time period, and mir- mirroring the fears of, like, that era... Um, I just want him to keep doing that for the rest of his career. <laughs> oh, he is. His mm. next movie is called The Lighthouse,
2: and it's about that unexplained occurrence where those two men just oh. disappeared from that lighthouse. Um, and In, uh, it... uh,
0: the black Black Sea, North Sea. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think. Yeah. It's, mm. I thought it was three people, but that's okay. I
2: think um, I have no idea, honestly. That I just is... picked two randomly <laughs> out of the air.
0: That is super exciting because that's a really weird. Bizarre uh, incident.
2: Absolutely, I hmm. I can't believe that the witch was his first like his first anything. It was his writing and directorial debut. That's that's coming out of the gate really really strong.
0: I know hmm. it's like um, it's just like a masterpiece, right? It's thing with the guy with that did Hereditary, you know. It's just like well,
2: Ari Aster, yeah.
0: How can any of us hmm. hope to compete if you guys are just like? you know tossing out like um instant classics your first fucking movie you know
2: <laughs> um unfortunately i have to get going so i'd like to wrap up now okay. um what did you do what do you what are your guys' closing remarks on the film
1: Um, I think overall in general, it's one of those movies that you just need to watch it and you need to watch it a couple of times. It's not just something you can just sit through once and be like, yep, I saw that. You have to watch it. You have to digest it a little bit. And you kind of have to also, I recommend watching it with someone else that you can have a conversation about it with because it's, it's not, it's, it's not something that you can just, when you're digesting it, you kind of need to talk it out. You can't just like sit on it you know and it's not because it's like this big deep heavy movie or anything but it's just there are things that i think it pop into your head when you're watching this movie that that you don't realize are there until you're in a situation like this where you're talking to people other people who have seen the movie and then you kind of go oh I didn't even notice that, and then you have to go back and watch it again and see different things. Um, but I also think that, I, like we've been saying this whole time, because it's historically accurate, it's an interesting glimpse into that time period. That having lived in New England and lived in Massachusetts my whole life, we get the textbook version of it. So we get, you know, we go to Salem, we see all this stuff, we learn about me and whatever, you know. But this is kind of, you know you're not sitting in the witch house watching the actors portray the trial. You're actually seeing a snippet of life outside of Salem. And that's what everybody knows is Salem. They don't necessarily know anything else from around it. So it's, it's interesting just to see kind of that time frame. And and listen to the way it was spoken, L- look at their outfits, look at the historical little, like, pie piece that we're getting from this movie. Yeah,
0: and all the music was historically accurate on, like, historically accurate instruments and everything, which, I, I mean, I thought it was a masterpiece, but I think audience, part of the problem is the audience has to do a little bit of work. Like, they have to really try to use their imagination, like, they're not just going to be shown something that's going to just scare them kind of got to sort of try to put yourself into their uh, into their foot you know into their situation Mm -hmm. like that makes it so much scarier because obviously 2018 that's not scary you're just like next to the woods Um, you can't really imagine like how it feels to be totally just cut off from society Um, Mm -hmm. and have your whole life like hinge on like trying to grow corn and like Um, actually being legitimately terrified of a witch in the woods Um, so I think that was like part of the problem but I mean I personally think it's a masterpiece and I think people that like history even if they're not horror movie people would really love it Mm -hmm. because I mean it's not like super gory or anything till like the very end and uh, yep that's my input (laughs) I love it this was amazing talking about this with you guys it was, yes. It's glad I'm glad to talk to other fellow like nerds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that it that's exactly what we are. We are horrible, horrible yep. movie nerds. The best nerds. <laughs> the best nerds of uh, you know?
0: Yeah, just like you were saying, this movie has quickly become one of my favorite films. And it's one of mm. my main like horror litmus tests. Like if somebody says they don't like this movie, I instantly I, I have no respect for their taste. Sorry. I'm exactly the same. If people, people say not they sorry. don't like
2: this movie, I'm like, what is
0: wrong with you? Are and... you a dum-dum? Why do you want to just sit around <laughs> doing the wrong hell? all the time? Yeah. I bet you, yeah, I know, I bet right? you love the dum But numb. I also... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know, right? I was going to say, I think it's also, it's why they don't like it. If they don't like it because of the dialogue and the way it's spoken, then that's a problem. Like, yeah, that's that's a nitpicky thing that you need to get over and deal with it. If they have a valid other reason why they don't like it, I'll listen to them. Right. They're still wrong, but I, I'll listen
2: to it, them. What I can't stand <laughs> is when people are like, it was so boring. I'm like, right. you were watching the wrong film.
0: <laughs> yeah, you weren't paying attention. I, was, like, so... It was, like, Mm -hmm. it was omnipresent. It was, like, everywhere. And I've seen people say that it's either boring or stupid. And I'm, like, it's literally the opposite of both of those things. Like, it's one of the most intelligent movies I've ever seen. And there's nothing boring about that at all. Like, obviously, you're not really Hmm. um, paying attention beyond the, like, surface.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the few movies, I'm one of those people that I tend to not catch things the first time I watch a movie, unless I'm kind of, like, hit over the head with it. And this movie, I kind of got it the first time I watched it, but I still had to watch it again, just to make sure I got what I thought I got, you know? And then, and every time I've watched it, I've caught something else. So it, it's definitely something that you just... Like I said today, I was, I had it on while I was editing a podcast. So I had it on kind of in the background, but I still caught things that I didn't remember seeing the last time I watched it. And I only watched it like six months ago. So it's not like I watched, it's not like it's been like three years since I've watched it it or anything.
0: It kind of of needs and is helped by uh, multiple rewatches. Like I've seen it three times and I'd still watch it right now, you know, because it, there's so many tiny little details that he put in there that it, yeah, like you said, like you see something new every single time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies. I think I think we have literally blown this movie to the point where we can't
0: anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, I am definitely looking forward to seeing what this director comes up with. Oh, me too mm-hmm let's, i will uh, fan well, let's girl do a special up ep- forever <laughs> i know right let's do
2: a
1: special episode yeah, right. when lighthouse comes out okay yeah definitely, definitely. yeah, definitely. yeah I'm, I'm adding him to my list of my Ooh, i like that guy director <laughs> list <laughs> yeah
0: uh we'll, we'll have to go back to doing the um directors of the horror renaissance that we were doing with sinister sisters
1: um, oh yeah can we do Mike oh, Flanagan yes, again
0: <laughs> yes
1: now that we have the haunting of Hill House, of Hill House. I, I don't even know
0: if we ever did Mike Flanagan but he was on the list um, he was on yeah. the list so All right. David he'll have to be added to the list um, and yeah I'm real big fan of his now already <laughs> thanks again hope you guys got through this whole episode without um, wanting to poke us in the eye with sharp things <laughs> that is an oddly specific i know but yes i please don't poke me in
2: the
1: eyes not with sharp sharp things
0: (laughs) please don't hate us if you hate this movie but i mean we might hate you
1: yeah you're still wrong if you don't like this movie
0: yeah that's just the way way it is Yes. all right well thank you guys for listening we'll come back at you whenever we fucking feel like it
1: (laughs) goodbye everybody
0: Bye.